Welcome to On the Bench. I'm your host for this episode, Brendan Sinone, joined by my OTB comrades. That's probably not appropriate nowadays. Three, two, one. Welcome to On the Bench. I'm your host for this episode, Brendan Sinone, joined by Zach Blostein, Chris Nee. Gentlemen, do you remember the time when we used to have weekends off in the offseason? No? What What? What are you talking about? Offseason? That exists? Offseason is on season. Uh, FSU is putting the final touches on its 2023 recruiting cycle, uh, but things have gotten very interesting in the last three or four days. That's going to be a good focal point of what we discuss. Uh, we will also get into the Jared Verse return, which was huge news, and I don't want to bury the lead there. I mean, that that's the most sizable development of anything that we're going to talk about uh, from this weekend, uh, as well as uh, some recruiting scoop as well for some players who were on campus over the week. So we'll get into it. But let, let's start off with what I think everyone probably wants to know, and that's uh, – the Daryl Jackson Chronicles, for lack of a better uh, title. I, I'm still a working title. We're going to figure it out. The Jackson 5, I thought of, because it's been five crazy days, but we'll, we'll see. It's Monday morning here. We're recording this at 9.30 a.m. As of Sunday evening, Zach, I will throw this to you. Uh, where is Daryl Jackson? And then we will work from there. Yeah, so on Sunday evening, I got word. Um, obviously, the you know, if you were – up and on Daryl Jackson's Instagram, you also got word, um, but I got a word a little bit before then that he had made it to the 850, um, not in Tallahassee, I don't believe, but I believe he was in like Quincy, Florida, around Gadsden County um, at Josh Farmer's house. Josh Farmer is his former teammate at Gadsden County High School, um, and then obviously a, a current Florida State defensive lineman who he's close friends with. Um, they went live on Instagram from Farmer's house. Uh, you know, shortly after I put up my report and he was just, you know, going on and on about he's a Seminole and, and all that stuff. Um, we'll get into it. But yeah, he, he was in the 850 um, as of Sunday night. And our belief going into the weekend was wherever Daryl Jackson was located on late Sunday evening was going to be the most important part of this. Yeah. Uh, and we had thought that at one point on Friday evening that that was was done. He was on his way to Coral Gables back to Miami as my, as so, all right, this is, let's just do this chronologically. I think it's probably the best way to, to discuss what's happened. We kind of Tarantino did it where we gave you where the end of this was, although we haven't quite hit the finish line as of nine 30 Monday morning, uh, Daryl Jackson has not enrolled at Florida state, but we are operating on the belief that that's what will happen. Uh, but starting, I think probably late Thursday evening, maybe Friday, I got word of it on Friday that Daryl Jackson may not be good. He had been committed to Florida State for at least a few weeks. He was the first transfer uh, to commit to Florida State in this cycle. He was a starter at Miami this past year. He's from Gaston County, played high school ball with Josh Farmer, as Zach mentioned earlier. Uh, once we got word of that on Friday, we started digging around and realized, yes, that there's very much so something to this. Uh, it sounded like Miami was trying to get back in with Daryl Jackson to get him to return back to Miami. For context, Daryl Jackson was a full-time starter for Miami last year. He would probably be the third or fourth defensive tackle for Florida State this year. So I think Miami looked at this as a possible opening to, to retain a player that they wanted to keep all along. They didn't want him to transfer. So they kind of got in his ear with it. He had went to an orientation. When would that have been, guys? Wednesday or Thursday at Florida State? It's whatever day Edmund was up on campus because they pulled up on the golf carts and he was among them. So Edmonds' first day would have been 
We're talking about Edmund and Gilbert. Was it the first day or the second day, Chris? It was the second day. I believe it was the day Edmund oh, was actually party. So that would have been Thursday. Yeah. So that'd yeah. be Thursday. We will talk about Gilbert Edmund recruitment as well. There's a lot to get to. You could probably hear the, the extra frazzled in my voice right now. Um, so, anyways, on Thursday, Daryl Jackson was observed on campus. Uh, usually, when a player sets foot on campus for orientation, uh, that's a really good sign. But as we learned through this uh, last few days, that's not always the case. So, anyways, Daryl Jackson is considering Miami. Best as I can tell, and, and Zach and I have spent a ton of time reporting on this over the weekend. This is, when I say well-sourced, I don't think I've ever covered a recruitment that's probably had like half dozen, maybe even more sources that were vetting stuff through and, and cross-checking information and clarifying on. Uh, some stuff we have is on record, some is off record, some is on background. So it's been this juggling act uh, and it's not just through FSU sourcing, uh, contrary to what some Miami message board posters would, would like us to believe. This is this is sourced through people that they're Daryl Jackson camp as well. This is this is well vetted. Um, is that funny to you, Zach? No, I just think that uh, I just love reading the message board, and they all hate you over there. Yeah, so. the thing they hate me the most on was like your information that we got initially too. But yeah, whatever, uh, I you choose to report it. I, I did. I mean, it's, it's what's out there. It's what's happening. And that is the factor. So uh, let's get into that. That's what this big, that's what this whole development the last few days has been about is Daryl Jackson's concern that he may not be able to play football in 2023. Uh, he was at Maryland as a freshman transferred to Miami. Everyone gets one free transfer right now. Punity, like you're able to transfer and the NCAA allows it. Uh, once you decide to transfer again, unless you're a graduate transfer, you need to have a waiver. Now, for Daryl Jackson, as when he first uh, transferred to FSU, Zach had reported that FSU was confident he would be able to get a hardship waiver. His mother has a consistent, I guess, right? A consistent illness is probably the best way to, to describe it. Um, yeah. Okay. And we don't need to get any more detail than that right now. Like FSU feels like it would have a pretty good case to get a hardship waiver. I think 31 of 37 players who, who applied for hardship waivers last year got one. Um, something like that. It's, it's a high percentage of, of players. Usually if you in FSU feels like it has a pretty good case here, if, if that's uh, what's going to happen. As I understand it, uh, the previous institution – can sign off on that waiver and it becomes easier for the player to transfer uh, smoothly and be able to play that next season. It is not required. It's not a requisite, but then an appeal process would have to go through. Uh, and through our reporting, we were told that Miami was basically, and it has been in Daryl Jackson's ear saying, you may not be able to get that waiver. You may not be able to play. If you stay here, you will be assured of, of playing, which is true. Uh, but part of that too was, was Daryl Jackson was led to believe that, Miami would not sign off on a waiver. Again, that's not the end all be all of this or be all end all, but, but it is uh, a factor. And that was something that weighed heavily on, uh, on Daryl Jackson's mind the most of the last few days. NIL opportunities were also in play. Uh, but, you know, NIL opportunities are in play at, at both institutions, wherever he goes, he will have the ability to earn off his name, image and likeness as a high end rotational player, borderline starter, either, either place he goes. Uh, he's someone who will be valued in that regard. So uh, that was also a factor. Um, but yeah, so, so that, those were things that he was weighing. And as he was weighing these things, Daryl Jackson was going 
literally back and forth, guys. Like he was going, he left on Friday to head down to Coral Gables. Yeah, with the intention to. With the intention to. Like he was on the road. He posted yeah. an image on the road. And then what happened, Zach? He turned around and uh, we were told he was back in Tallahassee that night. We, we were told that, and I believe that to be the case. Uh, still do. However, then on Saturday, he posted an image of, of what was it, the, the street signs? In Coral Gables, the street signs are not up high. They are on the ground. And, and I've heard different reasons why that is, but it is a very Coral Gables uh, thing. Yeah. So, I, I don't, he was trying to, or I guess on the Instagram live, he was trying to say that, you know, that people were looking too much into it and like, you know, they were looking at the street signs and everything. Um, Cause that was all posted on Twitter and it was a good job by Gabby or at the Miami site. Um, he noticed it in the, in the image that Jackson posted on his Instagram, but no, it was, I, I guess that was the, the telling sign of where he was. Um, you know, I didn't know that, but Gabby's from that area. So um, he recognized that the street sign. So yeah, that is that is a good job there. That is a very Coral Gables. Because I've heard that before, but I didn't think to look uh, that the street signs are on the ground. Basically, they, they make it to where it's this very ritzy neighborhood, right? In Coral Gables, there's a lot of money in Coral Gables, and you uh, it adds this level of prestige and also makes it hard to like navigate through there. So it kind of adds like this mystique to Coral Gables, where if you're in Coral Gables, your home, you know where you are. If not, like it makes it more difficult for outsiders to navigate. So anyways, uh, we were able to, to kind of piece that together and uh, have been able to confirm since that he was indeed in South Florida. Now, was he trying going just to get stuff to move out? Was this actual an attempt for Miami? Well, Miami, uh, I think, felt pretty good. And as we yeah. were able to kind of start reporting on this, uh, Miami's site felt good about it. Uh, talking to sources... On my end, FSU felt okay about it, but they also were under the assumption he was telling Miami. We we were we believe at, at different points, uh, either on Saturday or Sunday, that Daryl Jackson. I think on Sunday that Daryl Jackson had told both universities <laughs> that he was planning to go to them. Yeah, I believe Miami staff thought or was told that he was he was coming back to Miami at some point on either late Saturday or early Sunday. I I believe that as well. Um, so yeah, any, I mean Miami putting out they were confident and Miami site putting that out there, like totally reasonable. Like uh, the staff was confident. I think both staffs had confidence, but uh, we're also cautious. I know if it's was probably cautious as how this would play out. So anyways, it takes us all the way to Sunday where Daryl Jackson goes and comes back to Tallahassee again, Monday morning. He's not enrolled until he is enrolled. I don't think we uh, have a, a sigh of relief. I don't think this yeah. is over until he's actually like signed paper, like that he's he's somewhere. Um, but that's where that's at right now. There are some other parts to this backstory we want to get into. This has been a whirlwind. I probably only in the last year second to if I had to put it in order of just bizarre recruitment developments. Marius Mims was number one and takes the cake for so many reasons. Daryl Jackson's number two, and then I think a, a slightly distant third is probably Conrad Hussey. If I had to do the pecking order, but I think we should probably do a crazy recruitment podcast in the next all, week or so. Does this happen anywhere else? I'm sure it does. We are in it to win it. So Chris, I'm going to bring oh, you in here because Papa Bear has been sitting back, taking this all in. Are you disgusted by all of this? Are you entertained? Where does Chris Nee sit as he's kind of watched the world burn here? 
Well, I think in the text thread at one point, Brett said this is a war or something like that. And I said there's nothing civil about war, um, to quote a little Guns N' Roses there, I believe. It involves money. It involves emotions. It involves waivers and the ability to use those as essentially something that you can hold over someone's head in a sport where competing is the key to unlocking more money long term. Am I disgusted? Yeah, I, I am. Let's be honest here. I, I, I absolutely hate where it's all gone, but like it is the truth and the reality of where it is. So I'm not going to appreciate your you know, transparency. Yell, I'm not going to yell at the clouds from my front yard and tell you to get off my lawn. Like it, it is what it is at this point with this whole uh, recruiting game or whatever the hell we want to call free agency in college football. Um, but, you know, uh, indecisive young men. It is what it is. I'm not. I'm not gonna. You know, take a shot at Daryl Jackson. He's got a tough decision. Involves a sick mom. Involves financials. It is what it is. Uh, I'll be happy when he's enrolled and it's put to bed. But Should as far I... as absurdity and things we've covered, yeah, oh yeah, it's way up there. Yeah, no doubt. <laughs> but things are just getting dumber. We're trending in this direction. Like we're gonna trump this pretty soon. I'm confident. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, you've covered some weird ones in your time, especially like in the Jimbo Fisher era and stuff. Like it, it would get interesting. This is just, Matthew the stakes Thomas. are, <laughs> the stakes are higher. Funny. And I think, and I think there's more voices out there now too. And there's more hands in the cookie jar, so to speak. So I, I just think there's yeah. a lot more information out there that, that shines a light on recruiting. Yeah. And let's not act like money hasn't been part of the equation for a long time because it has, but the dynamics of all that has changed with NIL and, there's absolutely no guardrails at all to it. And, you know, you can basically play a money game and see if you can win out that way. And I, that that's just – and that's not a FSU or Miami-specific thing. That's across the landscape of college athletics now. So, yeah. Oh, uh, well, as we're recording this, Zach, you can go ahead and flip your story live. Um, Daryl Jackson is enrolled. He has not attended classes yet, but he is enrolled. Um so and once yeah, at least we, so to clarify a little point on that. Once they're enrolled technically in the university, I believe they're off limits. Anything prior to a technical enrollment is still open game. So Miami and what they did specifically to Daryl Jackson is fine because at that point he is still simply a recruit because a transfer does not sign anything that is truly binding outside of a grant aid. That's why a school is able to announce a transfer. That's why FSU announced. Daryl Jackson, Casey Roddick, so on and so forth of their transfer group. But none of those guys were technically, for lack of a better term, property of the university or directly tied to the university until enrollment. Um, sorry, we're, we're making sure we're flipping stuff over here. That was, I flipped it. Okay, it's good. I'll just tweet yeah. it out. Our coolest source, I guess. <laughs> Thank you, coolest source. Thank you. Um, all right, so. This is done for now. He's here. Um, Zach, you can't put scoop on a headline and it's free. I didn't put, I changed it to breaking. Bad boy. Yeah. Woo. Well, that was a, uh, that was, all right. So this was a recruitment. So this is done for now. Like Chris said, he is considered off, uh, what, what's the word? Off, off, off limits. Off limits. Thank you. I was going to say off hands, but that didn't make sense. Probably need hands to play football, generally speaking. Difficult to to uh, not do so. All right, so on track now. Daryl Jackson recruitment. What perfect timing. We were kind of wrapping this up, and uh, and he, he ends up enrolling. Do 
should I get into what the collateral part of this was? I have to kind of be careful on this, but I do think we we have it sourced through people outside of like, this isn't like a Florida state thing. Um, well, you intend to share that as written word, right? Yeah. I was trying to be dramatic, Chris. Thank you for, for ruining that for me. <laughs> well, I was just going to say at some point, you know, not to run a commercial in the middle of a podcast, but we do have people paying for a subscription to our website for that information. So giving it away on a podcast for free, devalues that to some degree so no that's that's an excellent point and i'm sure people will complain about the free podcasts in short order too uh, but then love the thing that they're paying for let them complain. crazy world out there crazy 2023 world there. i got resolutions i made and i'm sticking to them mine was to drink less that stopped on friday uh that stopped on friday evening as i started having to dig deep into the daryl jackson debacle um and saturday and saturday because i was with zach and that was just what a you know, transactional weekend as a whole, not just from an FSU perspective, just keeping up with names on the fringe for FSU transfer wise, or just guys that, because we care about the transfer portal more than most, we've paid attention to watching that come off the board, watching those things happen. There's going to be a good bit more of that in the next 72 hours, I believe, especially today. Um, it, it's just, it, it's so funny. It's, it's all changed. I saw a Sankey. Not to derail us at all, but the SEC commissioner talking about getting rid of the early signing period. You can, but like the transfer portal window, mid-year transfers, the guys who enroll early, that's not going to change. So there's still going to be this element of craziness and this element of down the stretch feeling that we had December into the first couple weeks of January. That's not going to go away. If they really want to fix it all, they have to change the calendar as a whole. And they have to revise every bit of it. And it's not just revising December. It's creating, if you're going to have an early signing period, make it early. Make it August. Make it August. Make, yeah, I agree. And and the only out is if your head coach leaves, then you've got to get out of jail free card and you can be back on the market. Or the school has to allow you to officially do. But then, again, there's also a transfer portal where those guys can just go in and transfer year one. They could, but but that is a alloc- – they, they can only do yeah. that so many times. Right. And it takes away that opportunity, yeah. But well, like if we're unless gonna, we're talking about Daryl Jackson, and then, and then the truth is, table. you can't fix this. There is not a fix to what's going on with college athletics and recruiting and everything that's going on. You can make it where it's less completely, absolutely insane for basically 365 days a year, and especially when you know in December, for FSU's example, playing a ball game, trying to finish your high school signings, dealing with transfers in and out all simultaneously while trying to construct your roster for the beginning of January for spring football for your next upcoming season. You're doing all that simultaneously. The and retaining retain. part. Yeah. Yeah, that, that was just as big for FSU as anything. And from a coverage standpoint for us, like that was, yeah. So like if we want to legitimately fix in quotations this, or at least make it better, like sit down and actually, you know, put some thought into it. Um, But it, they're not going to do that. That's, That's not going to happen. If it That's does, fine. it's going to take years to happen. It's not something I expect in the next cycle. And it's not a one, like they're going to fix it slowly, but surely too, if they do fix it, right? Like it'll be the early signing period. We'll move up to August or get stripped away totally. Make, make something where if a transfer wants to commit and sign with a school, they're, they're binded. Right. Like, yeah, but, you know, and I don't know what that is. I don't know if that's another version of a letter of intent. Obviously it's not a grant and aid because that's not really binding, but do mm-hmm. something of that sort. If you want to do away with situations like FSU dealt with Daryl Jackson. There's been other schools who had commitments from transfers who then lost them. I forget there was an offensive lineman last cycle. I remember doing that. FSU was involved. 
didn't oh, the get him. TCU went and kid switched. or something. Yeah, I remember. I, I forget the exact situation, but I remember he committed somebody and then he switched within like four days. So, you know, the safety, it's not an FSU um, exclusive may, issue. Matry committed to Boise State and then he went yeah. to Wisconsin. Wisconsin? Yeah, I oh, can't. Liberty. He committed to Liberty. Oh, Liberty. Yes. Okay. Sorry. I can't keep track. It's There's there's so much going on. Um, I'm with you, Chris, but it does make our jobs more relevant and entertaining, uh, but also I didn't spend a whole lot of time with the wife this weekend. I had a few hours where I, I did, but like I was on my phone a lot. Like it's just hopefully February is a little bit more chill, but who would have thought I'd be saying hopefully February is a chill time of year, you know, four or five years ago. That would usually be the, the chaos time for like for, for Chris. Like that would be his heyday of like covering how many recruitments, you know, that's when they would all come to them. So it is always changing. We're adapting, learning how to cover it bringing us back to what happened this weekend. So the Daryl Jackson piece of this, like people are going to get fixated, I think, on uh, whether Daryl Jackson was worth all this time and attention. And like, I'm not here to pass judgment on like a, a young man who is dealing with a lot of factors that were heavy. You're talking about finances. You're talking about being close to, to mom. You're talking about the ability to do what you love, which is play football, right? And that was on the table for him and his mind of not – not being on the table in 2023. So those are, those are things to weigh as it applies to Florida state. Like you got Fabian Lovett to come back. I don't know if we talked about that on the podcast. I can't even remember <laughs> at this point, uh, but you get Fabian Lovett's coming back. I think we did. I think we did too. You got Braden Fisk playing uh, and transferring and he's a top ranked defensive tackle transfer. And you have a really good young nucleus inside of guys that need to develop Josh Farmer Daniel Lyons come to mind, a good rotational piece in Dennis Briggs, Malcolm Ray. Like, there's depth, there is versatility in this group. Ayobami Tafas. Ayobami Tafasi. I'm going to forget, there's, there's, they're deep at defensive yeah. tackle. And Daryl Jackson, when he committed to Florida State, was penciled in to be the starter because Fabian Lovett had not yet made a decision. And we were in the early stages of the Brandon Fisk recruitment. He may not have even been in the portal yet or had just entered. So it, that, that was something to where, like, Daryl Jackson weighed heavily as like a, a really big get at the time and became more of a luxury. Not to say that he's not an important piece of the puzzle for Florida state and would have been like, if you're trying to make a national title run, which it, it seems like Florida state is all in on, which we will talk about that more this off season plenty. Um, but FSU uh, needs defensive line depth. Like you need depth in the trenches more than you need depth anywhere else. And he yeah. represents that. He also provides multiple years potentially. Well, Lovett and Fisk are both last year guys for you. So mm -hmm. there is value long term there too. He kind of reminds me of what Lovett was in 2020. Multi-year guy, uh, some starting experience, but still you know, needs to develop. And you don't have to bank on him to be the guy this year. Um, so I say all this because, yes, this, were, this was a lot of back and forth for a guy who was very important to Miami to be their starting defense alignment at a position group that was not very strong for them in general last year. They were not great in the trenches uh, and important to Florida state, maybe not quite as important to Florida state, but we saw just how important Daryl Jackson was to Miami with how they tried to keep him. So important to both schools, uh, but maybe not the end all be all for Florida state where this got really interesting over the weekend and it got shut down fairly early, but it was a factor. And I found out more like, I didn't know it was quite this big of a deal at the time, um, but by the end of the weekend, even into Monday here, like kind of figured out exactly like what was happening. There was a very real chance that it was not going to be just Daryl Jackson going from the 850 to Miami. Uh, <laughs> it was 
there was a chance that it was going to be uh, an upending of that youth and that experience or the, the experienced youth that FSU has cultivated so far, getting guys like Patrick Payton and Josh Farmer, important reps and developing them. Daniel Lyons is a true freshman uh, who had performed well at spurts this year. Guys who FSU has, has allocated a lot of time in developing so far in their careers and has the goal for them to be starters in the next two seasons. Uh, Miami was hopeful to get those players to the 305. Um, and there was a real possibility, at least at one point in the last four or five days that that was on the table, that Daryl Jackson may have been bringing players with him. He's very close to Josh Farmer. Uh, I think Josh Farmer wants to play with Daryl Jackson and Daryl Jackson wants to play with Josh Farmer. And that may have been this, this trickle effect of like, it wouldn't have just been, Daryl Jackson going to Miami. It could have been more players. It could have been two, three, four, um, which would have been devastating to the long-term efforts of Florida State's what it's building. Not not maybe as much for 2023, although it would have been significant, um, but it could have been detrimental. And my thought is that this probably is happening fairly frequently in college football, where you know we know that tampering is a, a thing. Uh, it's been documented like 24-7 sports had a story on this back right before the portal window opened on December 5th with a, an anonymous coach saying, if you're not tampering already, you're, you're way behind. And so like, that's, that's happening. Coaches are talking about this on record. They're not saying who they're not pointing fingers. I think it's this thing that everyone's doing. It's also a two way street. It's not just the schools doing it. It's, it's players, representation or players doing yeah. it to see what opportunities they have, if they yeah. do enter and where they can go. So I think everyone is okay. Like with it, this, this unwritten rule, like everyone's doing it, right? Uh, where it gets interesting is when an entire position group is targeted. Uh, and I think that's starting to become a thing that's happening. Or maybe like an entire like reserve group, uh, number twos, um, backup, backup defensive line at Florida State, a, a secondary at Alabama or something like that. Like, like those are getting targeted now, entire position groups could be deplete depth and then uh, allow for some level of continuity uh, at a new institution. You haven't seen it actually executed yet, but that's the thing that's happening, uh, which is new. And you're going to have to kind of start navigating around that now. But yeah, th that's why this Daryl Jackson development was so big for him to end up at Florida State. Although I think FSU, so I can understand it, kind of um, neutralized that threat earlier in the weekend uh, to, to where their entire defensive line depth would have been depleted and the, and the future of the defensive line group would have been compromised. Uh, it was big to get Daryl Jackson in the boat and in consideration to return to Florida state, getting him back actually enrolled is the cherry on top. So yeah, this was a wild, wild, wild weekend. It's worth kind of encapsulating the last what three weeks now of the portal season for FSU. They're effective at it. They're good at it. They did a good job fighting the battles of talent retention. They did a good job of adding talent. You know, I think we've seen with the battles and collective that FSU in the NIL game has taken massive steps in the last 12 months. So there's a lot of positives coming out of it, um, despite the insanity of the last, you know, what, 120 hours. Yeah. I mean, uh, taking a step back beyond just this weekend, FSU's had a lot of wins on the recruiting trail and a lot more good is happening than, than bad. And uh, I, there are multiple reasons for that. I think the staff is organized. I think having a strong collective to retain, to 
assure of opportunities when players get to campus. Uh, like I think those are those are all in play here for what Florida State's doing. But even just beyond that, like the culture of the current program of players, think about this. Like this wasn't a coincidence that Jared Verse came back, that Trey Benson came back, that Jordan Travis came back. All those guys, I think, probably could have taken like could have gotten more elsewhere if they wanted to. They all want to play together and they want to play for this coaching staff. Like that's important. I don't think you convince Daryl Jackson to come back from Miami if you don't have a strong culture in play. If you don't have guys that say, come play with us because we are doing something special, including like that, his best friend. I, I don't know that for a fact, Chris, but I would think that's an, that's a line that you can a dot you can connect. Yes, yes, I think that's reasonable. So uh, FSU has withstood some pretty exquisite haymakers that have been thrown at it here in the last few weeks, in the last few days. And so many bad things have happened since we started this stupid podcast back in 2017 that I don't believe that it's fully always going to be good stuff happening for Florida State moving forward. But like, there is good stuff happening. And FSU is withstanding punches and starting to deliver its own now. Uh, and that seems like a new norm. Uh, at least it's moving in that direction. And this is the latest example of it. So. I think that puts a ribbon on the Daryl Jackson recruitment, right? Are we good with this? Anything else we want to add yes, before we move on? Please, let's move on. Hopefully. Yeah. We will see. Yes. Knock on wood. All right. Let's talk about the biggest development that happened in the last few days, and that was the Jared Verse retainment. Uh, he Retainment is a word? Uh, it's a word now. A patent pending. Trademark. Uh, Jared Verse announces that he is coming back to Florida State. He signs with the battle's end. Uh my Lord, guys, like that is – if Jared Verse were on the open market right now, if he were somehow to be a transfer, can you Dude. imagine what the NIL opportunities would be for him, what schools would be going after him for? Like this is a guy who had nine sacks in the ACC last year and is just starting to scratch the surface of his his potential. He might be the, the most coveted portal player in the country. I mean, he almost was last year probably. Um, but He, he was the, what, the, 20, 21st sack last year and we went – right? 22nd? Yeah. Somewhere uh, he was a 93 grade, which wouldn't have – I don't think that puts him in like the top 40 of this year or something. Obviously the grades change, but I mean, Jared verse, uh, especially when you consider what the defensive end market is this cycle. I mean, there's a lot of not amazing defensive ends that are getting coveted by really you know, high caliber programs. Um, USC added a guy from Georgia state who had like, I think one sack last year. Yeah. And like, it, there's a lot of that going on. Like people, you know, they need, they need big bodies and Jared versus in a, an elite level pass rusher. Um, and he would have been valued a crazy amount. Um, you know, if he had you know, maybe waited a year, right. Or come out this year, but man, um, I think it's just a huge deal. Um, another piece to the, the ever growing puzzle of what Florida State's trying to do in 2023, pushing all their chips in, like Chris has said on multiple occasions, um, this feels like a, a team that's really trying to go for it all. Yeah, and good for Jared Verse. I think Jared Verse is coming back to become a better player, more well-rounded player, a guy that dominates from start to finish in games instead of having those flashes of greatness. And I'm not in any way diminishing what he did this year. He's a guy that comp competed for all ACC Defensive Player of the Year honors in a very good defensive league. I just think there's more to Verse. I think Verse is a guy that can be a great player. Uh, could he have gone and gotten drafted in the first round? Yeah, it just takes one team liking you for that to happen. Do I think it was a sure thing? Not by any stretch of the imagination. I think the ability for him to come back and kind of take away that 
is he or isn't he? Uh, I think that exists for him. And I think he believes in himself. Uh, he's an extremely confident young man with a great work ethic. Those things usually pay off. And he's coming back to a team that's loaded to be very good, a defense that should take another step forward after taking big steps forward each of the last two years. And I think he knows he can kind of be the centerpiece, the, uh, I guess, window dressing, for lack of a better term, of what FSU's defense can be next year. If FSU is as good as they are capable of being next year, and that defense takes a next step, the guy that's going to be the centerpiece, the focal point for them, will be Jared Verse. He may not be the guy who's most talented. You know, Fabian Lovett's going to be in that discussion. There's going to be others. But because of Verse's uh, bombastic personality, the fact he's kind of made for TV in some ways, he will be the centerpiece. When ESPN's talking about FSU's defense, they're going to want to talk to Jared Verse. I mean, we saw ESPN reach out and talk to him about coming back. There's a reason for that. He just has that personality. He carries that weight. He has that meaning on the market. So it's important for him, it's important for FSU, and it's a big, big piece. And there was nothing FSU was going to be able to do if he departed to replace him at this point in time with what's available and out there. I think like that ability for him to be the face of the defense, face of the program, like I think that was a big factor. I think you articulated that well, Chris. That was important for Jared Verse. And I'll give Chris a lot of credit. Like when he was seeing all these mock drafts throughout the year, having Jared as a top 10 player, like and this isn't like I'm speaking for Chris here. You like Jared versus game a ton. You I love Jared versus. Yeah. I hate mock drafts, but I love Jared versus. Shut your mouth. Shut your mouth. But we we look we are able to watch it from the prism of watching every single game and seeing like there's still a lot of meat on the bone. Like there's room oh, yeah. for him to get better. And and I think that was what he probably got the feedback for from NFL teams. He was probably more likely to go in the top 50 picks than he was in the top 20. And that's I, a big difference for him. Jared Verse is fully capable of dominating the shit out of opponents consistently. That That's the ceiling for the guy. That's how good he can be. He's not quite there yet because in many ways he's still very raw. If you think about it, he hasn't played the end all that long. It's been, what, two, three seasons now, and some of that's in the condensement of the post-2020 COVID situation for him at Albany. So, like, give him a full offseason of being in the same program, the same system with the same staff, and let's see – how big of a step forward he takes because I'm willing to bet. I think it's going to be a pretty big one. And I know this much, the guy who's going to be on his left shoulder is going to be really good. The guys that are going to be right behind him are going to be really good. And if they get the secondary, right. Yeah. That defense can be special and his ability to get off the edge and finish plays and make things happen and show all elements of his game and his ability. He's, he's going to make himself a hell of a lot of money. He, he put himself on layaway for another 12 months. He's going to get a return on that investment as long as he stays healthy, which, you know, God granted he does next season. Yeah, yeah. I wanted to, I wanted to like note on that. I mean, think about, you know, Jared versus playing um, this past season alongside some pretty good defensive linemen. Don't get me wrong, right? Robert Cooper, Derek McClendon, Fabian Lovett, who was out for some games, um, and then himself. I mean, if you look at the defensive line going into next year, I mean, that could be a much improved much improved unit, right? With starters at inside Braden Fisk and, and Fabo coming back. And, you know, hopefully Fabo is able to play a full season, which I just think opens up Jared versus game so much more on the outside um, because Fabian commands that attention on the inside. Um, and I think, uh, you know, if, if you figure out that other end spot with either Derek McClendon, Patrick Payton, um, Byron Turner, there's a lot of other guys that, that can factor in. Um, and, you know, there's just depth and it, it, it's, him being back helps not only towards, you know, what Florida State's trying to do in 2023, but it helps the future, right? Because if he doesn't come back, you're 
you know, probably having to play Byron Turner a bunch in 2023. And I'm not sure that, you know, that's something that FSU really wants to do, even though they really like what Byron Turner brings. Um, he's a guy that's young and has been injured and hasn't really had time to develop uh, within this program yet. Um, yeah. They feel confident about Patrick Payton and, and Derek McClendon going into next year. But those are the, the younger guys are guys you want to develop um, and verse coming back allows you to do that. And um, it doesn't make getting a portal defensive end a absolute must. It's just, you know, a cherry on top if you get one now. He gets hurt against what, Louisville, correct? That's when he took yeah. the shot to the knee. Everyone misses got a, hurt. Everyone got yeah. hurt against Louisville. Misses a game, wasn't particularly healthy for probably a couple more after that. So you're talking about a four-game impact to a season two from an injury standpoint, and you're still talking about a guy that on the year had 48 tackles, 17 tackles for loss, nine sacks, three quarterback hurries. That's a stat I think he definitely can brush up on with regards to quarterback hurries. Um, you know, yeah, I, I think Jared Verse has the capability of being one of the best DNs to ever come out of FSU's program. Whoa. I mean, I just, I, it's not his, hyperbolic. His, yeah. his, not to sound cliche, his motor never stops running. It's a beautiful trait. He loves playing football. Like, he is a guy that very much enjoys the game. And there's something about investment in the game when it's not only a means to an end, but also something you truly enjoy, and he does. And he is talented as hell. He's strong. He's quick. Change of direction is pretty good for a guy of his size and the way he's put together. He's not the most bendy dude I've ever seen because there's been some absolute freaks in the world, but he's not stiff either. Like, he's got a lot of really, really good traits. And that's a position where FSU – kind of primes their guys to be really good. I just think, you know, if you get Fabian Lovett playing 12 games instead of seven beside you and you're healthy for 12 games, regular season speaking, you're going to produce. And I think you can put up absolutely absurd stats. I think it can eclipse the, like, tackle total that we saw out of Jermaine Johnson a season, two seasons ago now, just to talk about the elevation of where I think his stats can go with the talent around him and a healthy, complete season. Well documented on this show and on our Nose Twenty Four Seven message board, uh, how much Jared Verse likes to talk. <laughs> you got to see that at the end of the Oklahoma game, uh, in his story of of what the Oklahoma offensive tackle shared to him. As Mike Marvell said uh, affectionately, "Wow, that's a very detailed story." <laughs> uh, Jared likes to talk, loves it, but a huge reason why he started talking so much this year. This wasn't always a part of his game. He shared this was to kind of psych himself into being at this level of Florida State to make the jump from I mean, he played at a small classification in Pennsylvania as a high school player undersized, went to Albany, had the had the glow up, right? Of becoming like 240 pounds, put on weight, uh, and and became a, a monster at that level. But this past year was very much about him figuring out whether he can be at this this level as an impact player. The answer is definitive definitively yes. But now, so so this whole like him talking thing kind of originated of self doubt and to try to convince himself. Well, now he's got like this like Superman cape, right? Like if the trash talk is is that Superman cape, that, that comforting blanket around him. Now he knows he can do it, and he realized, hey, I can do it. I got this thing that works for me. It's going to match my personality, my energy well. And now you have that level of assuredness to go into this off season and, and learn who you are, um, or you already know who you are, and learn like now pass rush moves and become a more detailed player. Yes. Like there is a lot to be excited about. Like this is lion season. It's the off season. But if you're excited about Jared verse coming back next year, uh, no one is going to ask why it is all Mike, right there in front of you. Mike Norvell, Josh storms, John Papuchas all say the same thing about the guy. He's only scratched the surface. And yep. I know that again, is cliche like, but I do think it's true in Jared's case. So 
One other aspect of the defensive end group as we transition here to some recruiting notes uh, is FSU may not be done adding to its defensive end class. They are currently making a strong push for Gilbert Edmond, a multi-year player from South Carolina. He kind of had a breakout season as a registered sophomore this past year uh, as a starter. I think he had, what, three sacks? Not, not a ton of production, but he played a lot and flashed. He's still a guy who's developing. Zach, you've talked about him on the show before. Someone who is uh, – had some familiarity with FSU staff. They hosted him on an official visit this past week. I guess what's the latest with his recruitment, what's going on there, and where does FSU stand for him as of uh, now 10 o'clock here Monday morning? Yeah, so um, I think, you know, Florida State was obviously the first school to get him on campus. He made his way to campus on Wednesday, stayed into Thursday, um, then left to go to UF um, on Thursday and the Friday. And then I believe he spent the rest of his weekend, from what I've seen, I've tried to check, you know, reports from from uh, multiple other, um, you know, sites that, uh, on our network. Um, I believe he he stayed the rest of the weekend at LSU, um, from what I understand. So, um, yeah, I think uh, this boils down to an FSU LSU battle. I know going heading out of the weekend, FSU felt pretty good about their chances with Gilbert Edmond. Um, you know, we're going to note another guy in a second. FSU offered a Utah State defensive uh, end slash edge guy, uh, Byron Vons. Um, and he, you know, FSU was considering bringing him in on an official visit on Sunday, I was told, but that did not occur. Um, he's more of a backup plan in case, you know, they don't end up getting Gilbert Edmond. Um, so we'll, we'll monitor him and we'll talk about him if that, if anything, you know, progresses with that one but with Gilbert Edmonds specifically like I said I think it's FSU or LSU from what I've heard um I think today you know we'll have a pretty good idea of where things are headed um I think LSU heading out of the the visit there this weekend um felt pretty confident uh, about about where they stood with Gilbert um you know that I think you know that should be a little bit worrisome just because you know LSU is obviously operating with a bunch of NIL money um, and they, they've got, I'm sure an attractive situation over there. So, um, yeah, it'll be, it'll be a battle. Um, I don't expect this one to go too much longer. I think this week, we would it be a battle to the end, Zach, a battle send potentially, uh, this week we'll probably see a decision from Gilbert Edmond. Don't, you know, not going to entertain Brendan. Um, I'm I, proud I, of you, Zach. I think it's, it's funny. It's funnier. I just don't know whether uh, producing you know, here. It's funnier if you don't say you're not going to entertain me and just ignore me. That's what. That's what. The, oh, is it the, funnier? Thanks yes. for telling me. Okay, you're welcome. Cool. This All is right. great podcast. Mute your mic. Um, yeah, with Gilbert, I think uh, I think it'll be FSU or LSU, and we'll see a decision this week. I don't really have anything to add on Gilbert, so I didn't want dead air. Uh, one other transfer before we go back to the end: John Campbell. He mentions FSU. He mentioned him in his final four the other day. Then he took visits to Florida and uh, Tennessee. I don't think he ever made it to USC, who was also in that final four. He just uh, shared that he's deciding at 7 p.m. this evening, and he said it's between the three, not including USC. Um, I don't think it's FSU as of right now. I think it's probably Florida. I haven't dug all the way in. I think FSU would take him if he said yes, but I also don't think there's a massive push going on there. Yeah. And then FSU picked up a kicker commitment. Chris, I will let you yeah. talk. I know you have to run. Oh, well, no, I'm good. I'm, I'm skipping out on that conference call. Be damned. Um, 
Zach mentioned him, the other DN that they offered this week in Byron Vaughn. Oh, all right, let's talk about Byron Vaughn. I can I talk about him because I love his game. That is a uh, that is a bendy athletic specimen, a little undersized. I think he's like only 220 pounds in a six foot four, maybe even six foot five frame, but really long arms. Uh, at a he's from Utah State. He was at Texas originally. I think Texas used him as more of a linebacker. Utah State made him a rush end. He thrived there. I love his game. Uh, he's visited Arizona State, Notre Dame. A good power five program can get him and maybe put on 15 pounds in, in the offseason. Uh, you could see him be to become an NFL draft pick. Uh, but Zach has some intel on that recruitment and uh, someone that FSU offered. But I think that's kind of closely linked to what happens with, with Cooper Edmund right now. Is that right, Zach? Yeah. I mean, I kind of already mentioned it. I don't know if you were listening. or. I wasn't. I was trying to make my crappy joke. Yeah, there you go. Uh, well, yeah, they considered bringing him in uh, this past Sunday for a visit. Um, I think the defensive staff kind of stayed in town for a little bit in case that happened, but they elected not to. Um, Byron Vons was at, I don't know if you mentioned, Arizona State and Notre Dame this past week. From what He we did were if told. you were listening. I did if you were listening. I was not because I was trying to troll you. Um, Arizona State, Notre Dame, I think – from what I understand, I think Notre Dame has a pretty good shot at him. Um, the only way he'll make it to FSU, because we're currently in a dead period, so the only way he'll make it to FSU is if things open up um, next week and he's still uncommitted, um, you know, which a lot of these guys are trying to get their decisions out of the way to be enrolled at their uh, you know, future uh, institutions to start uh, spring classes and then be prepared for off-season conditioning and spring ball. Um, so we'll see if he if he does that. But for right now, I think FSU is kind of waiting on word on what Gilbert Edmonds going to do. And then they'll decide on whether they want to pursue Vaughn's further or move on to another transfer at the end. And the and an important note is the portal does close, I believe, on the 18th. Correct. Yeah. yeah. So the transfer portal window has been 45 days, I believe. Um, what about the what about the or 30 days? 30. What about the visit window, Zach? Uh, things were open on the 13th. Yeah, the visit window which closed is Friday. on Sunday at midnight um, for you know, the, the mid-year window, which is four days from January 4th through the 8th. And then it'll open, like Chris said, again on the 13th. Um, and that's just you know for everyone. So 2024 yeah. is going to start making it to campuses. So January 13th to 28th is when uh, coaches can be out. Kids can also come to campus. Kids can also come to campus on the 29th. And then it shuts down for all February and traditional signing day, which really has nothing left juice-wise anymore for most people. Um, but FSU during this time, obviously, they're going to have kids come in. I think they're going to have a great deal of 24, 25, 26 kids come in. We may see a 23 or two. I don't expect a whole lot. They're running pretty tight on numbers at this point. Uh, but during that time, FSU is also going to be able to go on the road, and I think they do a heck of a lot of future recruiting during that time. That that was the plan. When Mike Norvell spoke about it, I believe, around the game, the Florida game, before the first window opened in December, December was about closing out the class. January into February was going to be about working even more towards future classes. They did a little bit of that in December, but this focus is largely and almost solely that. Yeah. Can we talk about the kicker now? Are you guys going to keep not allow me to discuss my favorite topics? I love teams? kickers, especially sure free ones that are going free ones that are going to give competition to a guy who struggled. So FSU brought in Tyler Keltner. Uh, first off, this is an ode to Christney on, on two fronts here. Just the machine, the robot, beautiful mind that Dude. he is. So first off, before we get to Keltner, I'll let you tell that story, Zach. Right now, I'm I'm posting my Daryl Jackson story. 
my man in the podcast has flipped him from Miami to Florida State. Finally, yeah, it was not at Florida State, or he was not at Florida State in the system yesterday. He's enrolled. Chris, while doing the podcast, managed to add him to the Florida State profile uh, after he enrolled. So uh, that is that is Chris Knee at work, uh, and then also Zach, you got to see that magic this weekend when he identified Tyler Keltner. Yeah, I want to see. I want to have Chris tell the story because he told it to me, but it was uh, you know secondhand. So I want to. How did you identify that that the person that walked into the Moore Center was Tyler Kelton? So I was sitting on the bench, as I love to do, and a young man walked up and asked, is this where recruits can park? Uh, because outside the Moore during the school year, you get ticketed if you don't have a pass. But this time of year, that won't happen. As we know so, well. So I, to, I told him, like, it, it's free parking right now. You're good to go. So but, park. Chris, is this your dream? Like, that a recruit came up to you while on the bench and said – I'm a recruit. Well, I, I didn't me. notice immediately. Like, I know he said, is this where recruits park? But I didn't in the moment think that's a recruit. Like, you know, I, I was very Gilbert Edmund focused and a couple other transfers. Um, so he parks and I'm standing there talking to somebody. And Carter Barfield, who's the assistant special teams coach, who works hand in hand with John Papuchas and the kickers and punters and so on and so forth. He comes out to kind of greet that group as they park and are walking in. I'm suddenly it clicks in my head. Oh yeah, he's a recruit. I need to care who he is. So I started looking at, you know, transfer kickers and punters and came to remember that he is from Tallahassee. He's a child's alum and you know, it came together and I thought it was him. I was pretty confident it was him said to you guys, I'm pretty sure he's on campus. And then he came out with the name tag and it indeed was him. And the rest is history. Beautiful mind. I remember what people drive and it scares the hell out of Zach. Yeah. He'll Just to share a little side story on that. There's, every, I mean, you know what every coach drives. You know that I, they have multiple cars. Like, I just, it's <laughs> is it photographic? I sit there. It is photographic. Yeah, I'm very much a photographic awesome. memory guy. Are you really? What is that? I always I wonder, like, what it's you like and Mike Marvell, right? Yeah. So, like, I will struggle with remembering somebody's name, but I will know for a fact that I've met that person and can probably recall where I met them what we were doing, what was going on, things going on around it. But I can't for the life of me remember their name. When did you when did you first meet me and Zach? Let's go. I don't know. So you that's a lie. I remember well I remember meeting Zach. I'm pretty sure it was out on the bench. Yeah. Screw you. Remember meeting Zach but not me? Uh you I think was when you joined the beat with the Sentinel and I just thought, no. oh God, a nug out with the Sentinel was just gonna write slanted things and everybody on our message board is gonna hate them. No, now it's the Miami message board that hates me. <laughs> the tables have turned, buddy. I'll call to come back. All right, so Tyler Keltner, uh, back on topic here, is a legitimately solid kicker at the college level. He's He's been a four-year player for, uh, was it ETSU, Eastern Tennessee? Yep. State, uh, the fighting, uh, who, um, oh God, who's the quarterback coach? ETSU, Randy, Randy. I don't think Randy's still there, Randy Sanders. Yeah, but he would have recruited him, right? Like Randy Sanders. Uh, yeah, yeah, that would probably be the case. The joke I was trying to make was the fighting Randy Sanders. Anyways, Tyler Keltner has been a four-year player there and has made between 70 and 78% of his field goals every single season. So, like, not amazing, but very consistent. And you know what you're going to get year over year with it. Like, that's what he's shown uh, over over his span as an FCS kicker. Uh, he's from Tallahassee. I, did him and Dane go to high school together? Like, did they actually, like, know it, each other yeah. from high school? That's what makes this addition better is that he grew up with Dane – they went to elementary school, I think the same middle school and high school. I think he was a gr- he was a grade above Dane, but it's still pretty awesome. 
Damn. Yeah. We need to get him Dane. on the podcast to talk about Dane as like a as a youth, like what yeah. Dane was like. Tyler committed. Just... Dane's like, I can't wait for my mom and his mom to share it on their Facebooks. <laughs> and they, and if you read the story of him, uh, the free ride, or I think it was after the visit, Dane caught up with him. He's like, Yeah, Dane, you remember when we were running around in FSU uh, clothes in elementary oh! school? Yeah. Byers Sinone, sponsored by the Turner Group. Dane totally, totally sat crisscross applesauce until like high school, right? Heck, I think he still does it sometimes out yeah, there. Buy. I do too. Yeah, I'm buying it. Dan and I are cut from a similar cloth. I love Dan. So, um, Keltner stats at ETSU 56 of 74 on field goals in his four seasons, including 17 of 23 in 2022. Career long of 54. He's a perfect 131 of 131 on career PAT attempts. FSU is getting him for free, PWO type. He's going to grad school. Congrats to him on graduating. Um, I'm sure he's got some bright futures possibilities there with being an in-state kid coming back to in-state. So, yeah, beneficial for both parties. Uh, Keltner was flat out excited to like visit FSU. He never, I don't think he ever really got the chance when he was at Childs to visit it in the fashion he did for this go round. And it, it's good. I don't think FSU is moving off Ryan personally. Uh, you know, I've kind of said that at times definitively here. But they wholeheartedly want there to be competition at that spot. I mean, there was in-season competition at that spot. And I, I think Keltner is an upgrade with regards to that competition. And he's a guy who's done it in the moment. He, he's experienced, well, it's ETSU. He still has experience what it is like to go out there in front of X amount of people and try to make a kick from different hashes on those goalposts in the college game. I think last year's like struggles, like a, that, that stretch that – that Ryan had the fact that they couldn't move on from him was telling of, of what your other options were, or at least the confidence you had of them. So yeah, there's been a lot of examples of FSU adding insurance policies this off season uh, based on just the additions in addition to the retention they've had. I think this, this is another prime example of like, you are, you are assuring yourself of uh, a safeguard if something goes poorly. And as you're trying to, shore up any sort of weaknesses to make the next step from a nine to 10 win team to one that wins 11, 12 games and competes for something really significant. Like you don't want games coming down to whether you can trust your kicker, forget whether like he's going to make the field goal or not. There were times say against Wake Forest uh, where Florida State's like math was, you know, do we be aggressive inside the 30? Do we go for it on fourth down? Cause we don't necessarily have faith in our kicker to, to pull out of it right now. This I think eliminates that a little bit, which is big. Uh, do we want to talk about 2024 recruiting at all? Yeah. We're, we're getting close to an hour here, but I think we can yeah, squeeze no, it I'll just, uh, Yeah, quick note. Um, FSU, like Chris mentioned, will host a bunch of 2024 and beyond recruits uh, in the month of January. They'll do multiple junior days. I think one will be this upcoming weekend and then another one towards the latter port portion of the month, I believe on the 28th. Um, Correct. We're confirming a bunch of names. Uh, we'll, you know, Dane's working hard at that. Shout out to Dane because he's been killing it um, while we've been dealing with this Daryl Jackson stuff. Um, but if you're on the site, I mean, you've already probably you've probably already seen we've, we've reported multiple guys that have already um, confirmed plans. And we have multiple others that we are, you know, are still waiting to report. So stay tuned with that. But, yeah, we're going to turn the focus um, primarily to 2024 recruiting from here on out. It's worth remembering so, FSU already has eight commitments for 2024, so they have a decent, healthy head start there. It's important that those eight continue to show up on campus. Most of those guys have been pretty consistent at showing up. Luke Cromenhawk, Hawk, for example, is a guy that we've regularly seen at games, which is a great thing. Uh, 
I think the best way of describing FSU's approach 24 going into January versus FSU's approach to 23 going into January last year, they can be a hell of a lot more selective. Um, last year felt like uh, let's just get as many people as we can on campus, build relationships, hopefully get some really good ones on campus, work hard there, and hopefully have a shot down the stretch doing something. I think this go around, it's a little bit more about uh, kind of pointing out a guy, telling him you want him on campus, get him there, and going all in on him. Uh, I think FSU, their goal in the 24 cycle is going to be to recruit at a higher level with high school prospects. And I think their base they can select from is going to be elevated from where anywhere it's been in their time at FSU, this staff's time at FSU. Speaking of 2024 prospects and commitments, Stack, you actually got to see some of them uh, in person, including five-star Cam Davis over the weekend or over the week, week, not weekend. What day was it? It was the weekend. It was I'm so confused. Um, chill out. Mute the mic. Um, yeah, so Cam, Cam Davis was over at a practice for a seven-on-seventeen tight action over in Thomasville on Saturday. I went to go to their practice to go see what was up. They got some good young talent, um, but it you know, was there to lay eyes on Cam Davis and speak with him um, for a little interview. That's a, that's already up on those 24 sevens. You want to go read it. Um, but nothing major there. He said he's 100% committed to Florida State um, and that other schools are still reaching out. Ohio State, Georgia, Notre Dame, uh, Mississippi State, and a few others are, are involved um, in, in continuing to communicate with Davis and his camp. So definitely a recruitment that Florida State's going to have to fend off other big-time schools for. But I believe Davis is uh, true to his word and is really locked in with FSU. Um, it would take you know coaching changes, stuff like that, um, for, it to, uh, for him to flip his commitment. Um, he's been committed. Uh, he's the longest tenured commitment in 2020 and the 2024 class committing all the way back in the spring of 2021. Um, so it's been almost two years since he's committed to Florida state and he's never really wavered um, even after, you know, a not so great uh, 2021 season. Um, and he obviously gets to witness them get 10 wins this year. Uh, love seeing that. He loved seeing the uh, success of the run game at FSU. And he mentioned the Jason Turrentine injury reaction by the players and he, uh, you know, was just kind of uh, impressed with the brotherhood of Florida State's football players um, in that moment when they all came out to, uh, you know, send Jason off in a good way um, after that not so great injury. That's another example we talked about being able to withstand like Miami's late push with Daryl Jackson. Like that's another example of like the culture is starting to recruit for Florida State. Like yeah, that that's starting to impact things. That, that's a good point, Zach. Um, all right. Anything else? I think I got some housekeeping items to get to real quick, but I think we're more or less done with the bulk of this podcast. I know there was a lot to get through. Uh, I did want to talk about like the outlook of the 2023 roster as it kind of currently stands, but obviously we're, we're an hour into this. We'll, we'll do I feel that like later. that's a whole podcast by itself, but it's exciting. I want to get Dane and Brett, I think, involved in that as well because uh, they're at practices and, and have good insight into that. So yeah, the 2023 roster is exciting we allow ourselves to daydream a little bit with what this can be for this program i do want to do a final look at the uh at the 2022 recruiting cycle that maybe zach you and mean i can 23. do 23 recruiting cycle yeah. right oh, yeah boy. i'm 23 sorry, is one that officially wraps up technically in february but you can still get transfers all the way to august it never ends roster management never ends as Der or derek ray would say i must have yeah. called him daryl ray i got daryl jackson still on the mind um, but uh, we will we'll do something on that. Uh, let's see. 
I think we probably need to do some scholarship counting at some point now this offseason, uh, kind of see what's left for FSU. Roughly, you think they're, what, two over right now? I think they're 86 or 87. Yeah, and that will work itself e- out easily. Yeah, I'm not concerned about that. Um, but you're still – you're talking about maybe adding a defensive end still, maybe an offensive lineman. Like, So you may – you safety. there's probably – safety. So there's probably four or five different uh, spots uh, that – Oh, Akeem Dent is coming back. We I don't think we've talked about that on the pod, but that's nice for safety depth. Um, Johnny Wilson's with Battles End now, making it very yeah. officially official that he is coming back. Yep. So, uh, yeah, good things are happening for Florida State. It feels weird that good things are happening consistently now. You know what else happens this week? National championship game? Yeah, that too. But Bob is finally free. Bob is free. Let's go. And FSU basketball. Chris, of course, got this in. I had to. They've only won five or six games, so I'm not going to you know blow a lot of hot air. They have been a lot better in recent weeks. They're more competitive. It's far more enjoyable. It's not the dreadful mess it was in November. Baba makes his debut Wednesday night, 9 p.m. at Wake Forest. I'm excited for it. He's an extremely talented young man who brings a whole lot of versatility to the court and can do a whole lot of things. Anybody that saw him play in the exhibition against Newberry knows that he is versatile. There's a lot there to play with. And it will make FSU a better team. It's disappointing we're only going to see him for 16 games, most likely this year, because FSU's postseason hopes are pretty limited at this point. But, yeah, he's back. The stupid NCA unjust uh, punishment has eclipsed finally. But FSU's excited. I wrote about Baba. Uh, Coach Hamilton spoke about him, as did Darren Green Jr., but mostly Coach Ham. The program's very excited for him to make his debut. I'm I'm interested to see how he handles the emotions of the moment of finally getting out there. Um, but long term, I think he's going to be a nice piece for FSU this coming season. Okay, let's let's end on that note. Uh, Chris got his basketball talking. That's great. I'm so happy for you. Hey, I had, tra- wait, I had to wait 16 games for Bob to get free. I I do intend post Baba playing a game or two, maybe to do another uh, three and E or whatever we're going to call the hoops uh, deal with Trey. <laughs> <laughs> That's what I was going to say. We need to do that as they're starting to turn things around because that was totally a good luck charm to start the season off. I'm happy that you guys uh, bestowed that. Up, up I think we recorded families. the first one the day he got suspended, maybe. So, yeah. Back God in luck. late October. Okay. For Bye-bye. basketball fiend Chris Knee, Zach Lawstein, I'm Brendan Snow. He's been on the bench. Thank you for listening. We'll talk to you later this week. Bye-bye. Oh, like bye-bye. Yeah.